um, was that the testimony of Hannah was, she was like, I need to testify because Hannah testified. Um, and my prayer is that as you hear Nikki's testimony, that that would push you to testify. Um, that's what testifying does in our lives. When we talk about what God's done, we are reminded of those things in our own life, and we want to talk about what he's done in our life, and then someone else wants to talk about what God's done in their life, and God is honored by that. If you would, turn this morning to Luke chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 26 through 29 as we continue to look at testimonies throughout Scripture. We are, have ventured into the New Testament these last few weeks, and we come now to the testimony of the Gerasene man. Now, many of you, if I had to guess, you see this title and you're like, I don't remember that story. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember reading about that. But I almost guarantee you that you have heard this story. You've heard the story of Jesus crossing the lake, and stepping foot on the shores of those waters, and the demon-possessed man coming out of the tombs. And having a conversation with Christ and Christ sending those demons into the pigs and then falling off the cliff and restoring this man's mind. I guess you've heard that story. And so, but we call it, typically we call it the story of the demon-possessed man. We don't call it about the garrison man. But as I was preparing this week, I thought, you know, as we share my testimony, as I share my testimony, I don't share, I don't call my testimony the testimony of what I was. I call it the testimony of what God has made me. This man is no longer the demon-possessed man. This man is free, and free indeed. And so, change the title just a little bit um, to reflect that freedom this morning. Hopefully by now you have found Luke chapter 8. And so if you would, please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. Luke chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 26 and we're going to read through verse 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to, enter, to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. 
The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you found us. Lord, that you found us when we were unable to save ourselves, and that you performed a miracle. Lord, you changed hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And now you have sent us on mission. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that that we would hear the words of this testimony and that we would hear the way that you free men and women, that we would hear of the, the call that you put on this man's life and understand that you have put the same call on ours. Father, that we would testify to your goodness, to your grace, to your power. Father, we pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. It's, <clears throat> this is one of those stories that whether we would like to admit it or not, at times we dismiss it. Because in Western society, we have been conditioned to say that there are no such things as spirits, to say that there's no such things as demons or forces of evil and good, that all of that is simply mythology. That's folklore. In fact, I would venture to say that one of Satan's greatest tools in Western society is camouflage. It's making you think that he doesn't exist at all. In C.S. Lewis's fictional work, The Screwtape Letters, we find a demon writing letters to his, uh, to his uh, master, and he is asking him questions about how best to tempt the individual that has been put uh, in his, under his uh, guidance, unfortunately. And C.S. Lewis records, says this, He says, I do not think that you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, He therefore cannot believe in you. Sadly, that statement is probably more true today than when it was written by C.S. Lewis. That we see demons and Satan as comic figures who are not to be believed, who are not to be thought of as real, and so we ignore them. And so he acts in the shadows and through suggestion. But if we were to ask some of our brothers and sisters from other cultures and other parts of the world, what we would find is that he does not work there in the shadows, but he is out in full force. There his best tool is not camouflage, his best tool is fear. And he reigns. 
people are terrified. And so when we come to the, the testimony of the, man, of the garrison man, I would beg you not to dismiss this as a story, not to dismiss it as some fictional tale, but to understand that this is a reality that we live in. Though we may not experience it in a blatant, everyday way, that we still have an enemy that is out to control, an enemy that is out to deceive, an enemy that is out to destroy. And so we come to this story of the garrison man, this man that had been possessed by demons for so long. As, I go, as we go through this scripture, I'm going to do this a little bit differently this morning, and it may fall flat on its face, and I pray not, but... As we present this passage, I'm going to present it in such a way that it sounds more like this man giving his testimony than me just simply preaching a sermon. And so if we were to listen this morning to the garrison man, he might begin, he might begin by telling us that he was powerless. He might begin by saying, I had no control. I had no control over my actions. I didn't want to live in the tombs. I didn't want to be this monster that people were afraid of. I didn't want to run around the countryside without clothing. I didn't want to sleep outside in the elements. I didn't want to scare people. I didn't want to be the story that moms and dads told their children at night, about the boogeyman that would get them if they were disobedient? I didn't want to be that. People tried to help me. They tried to put me in chains, not, for, not just to control me, but to keep, my, keep me from hurting myself or from hurting others, but it didn't matter. The demons were stronger. Maybe, maybe this morning... You can understand that. You're not possessed by demons, but there are things in your life that you feel like you don't have control over, mistakes that you've made, decisions that you've made that make you feel trapped. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe you're addicted to alcohol. Maybe you're addicted to food. Maybe you're addicted to your entertainment, or your pocketbook. All you know is that you feel out of control. There are times that you do those things which you don't want to do, and you don't do those things that you do want to do. I couldn't just, it wasn't just my actions, though. I couldn't control my desires either. I, didn't, I desired to have a family. I desired to feel that love. I desired to be a part of society, to work like a normal person, to, to craft things with my hands, to enjoy the fellowship of other people. But I couldn't control my desires. When they would bind me with the chains and the, they would bind me with the shackles, the demons would break them and they would drive me out into the desert to that place of isolation far away from anybody that cared about me, far away from anybody that might be able to help me. It was not what I wanted, but what, it was what I found myself doing. Again, maybe you're the same. 
not just your actions you can't control, but it's even your desires. You find yourself thinking about things that you know you shouldn't think about, wanting things that you know you shouldn't want. Maybe even you follow up on those things, and you feel just completely out of control. And the worst part of it all was that I couldn't free myself. It wasn't like I could do something and suddenly these demons would go away. I had tried. Don't think that I hadn't prayed. Don't think that I hadn't begged God. Don't think that I hadn't went to every rabbi, that I hadn't went to every spiritual person, that I hadn't tried to find a way to rid myself of these demons, to rid myself of the powerlessness that I felt of their control. Don't think that I hadn't wanted to be free. And yet I, was, I couldn't do anything. I was, as I said, powerless. And then there was a boat. Jesus stepped in my life. I can remember sitting on the, in the caverns and in the caves where the tombs were and looking out across the water, and there was a boat, and I felt the demons shudder. I didn't know why. I didn't know why. They were compelled to stand and to run to the shore. And as this individual stepped out of the boat, I could hear them begin to say, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Jesus? Most High God? What were they talking about? All I knew was that these demons knew Him. They knew Him. They called him by name. I had never seen the man before, but they understood who he was, and they began to call him the son of the Most High God. Who could this possibly be? Not only did they know him, though, but they also feared him. They feared him. I knew fear. I had spent years with it. Fear of what these demons would do to me. Fear that they would destroy me. Fear that they would throw me into the lake and drown me. Fear that they would burn me. Fear that they would torture me. And at times they did. But even more fear that I would hurt someone else. That they would cause me to, to hurt somebody else. And, and really, that's where I saw the fear. Not only in my own life, but I saw the fear in the eyes Children and adults alike, I was a monster to them. My shame and my sin were exposed to everyone. And people would look at me with that sideways glance that you give people. I, I know you've done it. That sideways glance of someone that you know that you know their story, or at least you think you do, and so you kind of look to the side and you murmur under your breath. I knew what it was like to see people talking and know that they were talking about me. To watch them avoid me. To walk to the other side of the street or to change the path of their journey. Because they judged me. Because they feared me. Maybe this morning you know the same. You feel like your life is exposed. You feel like the history of your story is all that people remember. You know, or at least you think you know, that they are talking about you. 
that they are judging you. Maybe that they're even afraid to talk to you because they just don't know what to say or how to handle your situation. These demons, though, all of that fear that I had felt inside myself because of them, all that fear that I had seen in others because of what they were doing to me, now I felt that fear coming from them. When they said the name of Jesus, they trembled and they begged him. They begged him not to send them into the abyss. They begged him to have mercy. They were scared. But not only did they know him, not only did they fear him, but they obeyed him. I was powerless. I've already told you, I couldn't do anything to make these demons do anything that I wanted. And yet, when Jesus spoke to them, when Jesus spoke to them, they listened. He asked them their name, and they said, Legion, because there were a lot of them. I can attest, I heard their voices in my mind every day for years. They answered his questions, and then they, when he, they asked him, can we go into the pigs? They obeyed. I'm told it's the first historical account of deviled ham. That's a joke. I try to be funny sometimes. But they obeyed him. They begged him for mercy, and he strangely granted it, and they, he told them, go to the pigs, and they went. And I watched through my own eyes those pigs run off the cliff and drown in the lake, something that I had been so afraid that they would do to me. And I sat there amazed. For the first time in years, my mind was clear. For the first time in years, my, my body was my own. My choices were my own. My words were my own. I was free. Jesus saved me. What chains and shackles could not do, Jesus did with a word. What others had attempted and failed, Jesus succeeded. He saved me. No longer was I under the control of these demons. Now I was truly my own. It was like being born again. Like being alive for the very first time. Not only did He free me, but He restored me. He restored me. As I was there on my knees before Him for the first time in my own right mind, I can remember one of His disciples coming up and offering me a set of spare clothes. I can remember another one handing me some food, as I sat there at the feet of this Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, and He talked to me. Not as a demon-possessed man. Not as a man that had gone through hell and back. He talked to me like a person. He talked to me like someone who was His equal. 
as someone that was his friend. Something that had not happened in years. He restored not just my sanity, he restored my humanity. It was like he had known me since birth. He talked to me. The townspeople came back. People that I had known my whole life. These people that were so afraid of me, they came and they ran out of town and they didn't know what to think. They saw me sitting there clothed, talking normally, and I could tell they were afraid. <laughs> Was this a trick? Was it something to lure them in? I began to assure them, no, it's me. I began to tell them what he had done for me. And the, the farmers that had observed it all, they jumped in and, and told the story again of how the demons had left me and gone into those pigs and how those pigs were all destroyed. In fact, you could still see their bodies in the lake. I prayed, I hoped that these people would listen to this one that I had just, had just been saved by, that they would listen to this one who had done so, for, so much for me. I knew some of the people in the crowd. I knew some of them were sick. I knew some of them were struggling. I knew some of the things that were going on off. And I'm like, you need to talk to this guy. But they weren't ready. They weren't ready. They weren't ready to know him. Instead, they were afraid. Afraid of one that had control over demons. Can't say that I really blame them. I probably would have been too if I hadn't been the one saved. And so they asked him to get back in the boat. They told him and his disciples, leave us alone. And so Jesus does that. Jesus gets in the boat. I see his disciples get in, and everything inside of me longed to go with them. This man who had rescued me, this man who had set me free, this man who had given me life, who had restored me, I wanted to follow him. I wanted to go with him. If he could do this for me, then I wanted to see what else he could do. I wanted to serve him, and so I ran to the boat, and I began to get in. And Jesus holds his hand up and told me, no. He said, go back home. Go back home and tell everyone you see the marvelous things that God has done for you. He sent me. He sent me. Instead of inviting me to follow him, he said, I need you to go and tell these people that are so afraid of me, I need you to go and tell them what they're not ready to hear yet. Not only had he, had he freed me, not only had he given me life, my life back, not only had he restored me, but he had given me a mission. He'd given me purpose. Now my life had gone in a moment from being chaotic and crazy and without, without a direction now to being a servant of the Most High God. To go and tell others of what He had done for me and what He could do for them. 
And so I went. I went to every city in the area proclaiming who he was. And why not? After all, I, I believe that if someone experiences God, that it is only natural that they would share that experience. That it's only natural that if someone experiences God the way that I did, that I would want to tell them about what He's done for me. He freed me. He restored me. He sent me. And now I know Him. Now I know life. And I know it abundantly. Maybe you see yourself in me. Maybe you, too, are out of control. Maybe you, too, have sin in your life that it feels like you can't get rid of. Maybe you, too, have made mistakes. Maybe you have tried to live your own way and have found it falling short. And you don't feel like there's any way out. Maybe you too have come to the realization that you can't save yourself. That no matter how good you are, no matter how religious you try to be, no matter how much you try to make up for things, that you just can't save yourself. That you can't get rid of that sin on your own. That you can't get rid of that guilt and that shame on your own. That you can't free yourself from that addiction on your own. That you can't free yourself from that compulsion. Maybe you're just like me. Then this morning I invite you to come and see. Come and see a God who is all powerful. A one who with a word can command the demons. One with a word who can heal the blind. One with a word who can raise the dead. Come and see a God who is all-powerful. If He can save me, then He can save you. Come and see a God who sets the captives free. One who, I, I know, I was, I was a slave to that which I did not want to be. He can set you free. Free to live. Free to enjoy Him. Free to make your own decisions. Free from guilt and shame. Come and know a God who not only is all-powerful, but desires you. And then come and see a God who sends us on mission. You see, He doesn't just save us just so that we go our own way aimlessly. But when He calls us into a relationship, when we know Jesus, He sends us to go tell others. He sends us to go spread the news of the glory of God. Maybe this morning you find yourself in the story of the garrison man. 
maybe this morning you would say, yeah, I'm stuck like he was. I know what it is to be out of control. Maybe for you, maybe for you it is alcohol. Maybe for you it is drugs. Maybe it is pornography. Maybe it is the desire for lust. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's power. And at first it felt harmless. At first it felt good. But at some point, those desires became chains themselves. And now you find yourself unable to control yourself. I've known friends, still have friends, who will tell you that it gets to the point where you are not making the decisions anymore. You're stealing from your parents. You're stealing medications out of friends' cabinets. You're using other accounts to hide where you go on the computer so that no one can track you. When you're stressed, you eat and you don't even know why. You have thoughts that you wish you would not have. And you desire that which you know you shouldn't. If that's you this morning, there is hope. There is freedom. Just like this demon-possessed man no longer had to live in the tombs. He no longer had to live in that prison. Christ invites you today to know freedom from those things. To know life. But you've got to accept the invitation. It It does no good to receive an invitation if you do not act upon it. So how do we do that? It's as simple as a prayer conversation with God, to admit that we've made mistakes, admit that we've tried to do it our own and we have failed, and to ask for His forgiveness. To confess and to believe that He is the Son of God, that He did die for our sins, and that our only hope is Him. And to make a commitment, I'm going to follow you wherever you would want me to go. Whatever you want me to do. This morning, if you feel trapped, if you feel Like there's no way out this morning, Christ invites you to know Him and to know life. Maybe you're this morning, you're here and you're you're a believer, but you would say, I've fallen back into those same bad things. I've fallen back into some of those same harmful patterns, and I don't know my way out. Christ still extends that invitation to you. Let His grace be enough. No matter where you find yourself, though, if you will come, you will ask for him and you will know him, then he gives you the same call that he puts on the garrison man, the call to testify. He puts the same call on your life that he put on this garrison man, not to, not to keep it internal, not to keep it private, but to share what God has done. It's interesting to me that when we become Christians, that God does not call us to heaven right away. Sometimes I wish He would. But He desires us to go. To tell others that are not yet His. So what is your story? How has God worked in your life? How has He set you free? 
How has He rid you of your demons? What's your story? Who are you telling it to? Who is that individual that God has sent you to? He sent him to his whole town. He said, go and tell everyone. And maybe that's what God's telling you as well, but maybe he's telling you there's just one. There's one that you know that you're to tell. Who is it? And then are you praying for them? You see, these people met Jesus. The townspeople met Jesus the same way that the demon-possessed man did. And they You think about it, you contrast this to the story, the testimony that we had last week. You remember the Samaritan woman? That she goes into town and she says, come and see this man who told me all that I'd ever done. And they come out. And what do they confess? They confess after meeting Jesus, we, we no longer believe because of your testimony, but we believe because we ourselves have seen and know that this is the Savior of the world. They were ready for it. But there's times when you're going to tell your testimony and they're not. And they're going to be like these garrisoned people and they're going to say, get away from me. Because they're just not ready to hear it yet. So we pray, Lord, change them. Lord, pray, Lord, put them in the right place. Lord, next time, I pray that their heart would be ready because it is God who changes the heart. We are just simply conduits of his grace to go. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up and we're going to have a time of response. You see, when we hear from the word of God, it's not simply for us to file that away and put it somewhere in our mind. But God speaks to us from His Word so that we may respond to it. And so this morning, I invite you to respond. Maybe you're that individual that you have never met Christ. You've only heard His name. But you don't have a relationship with Him. And you're trapped. And this morning, you want Him. Then this morning, I pray that you would pray that prayer that we talked about earlier. And then find somebody. Find somebody and tell them what God has done in your life. We would love to tell you what's next. Maybe this morning you're a believer and you, you just have that besetting sin that you just can't free yourself from. Stop trying. Give it to Him. Let Him heal you. Let Him show you the way. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and Father, I know that this morning was different. And Lord, for some of us, it's uncomfortable, and for some of us, it's just strange. But Lord, I pray that it would not be a distraction from your word. Lord, that we would hear the testimony of the garrison man, of this man that you saved, that you restored, that you sent on mission, and Lord, that we would identify, Lord, of how for many of us, you've done the same thing, and Lord, we would rejoice in that, and that we would desire to share that as well. Father, I pray for the individual that's in here this morning. Lord, that they don't know you. But Lord, their heart is beating a little faster this morning. Because they've heard the name of Jesus and they know, I need that. I need freedom. I want to live. I don't want to be controlled by this thing anymore. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would come to you this morning. Lord, that they would tell someone this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would do a work that only you can do. Free us this morning.
Father, we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can stand with us this morning and sing of his glory. You can come to the altar. You can